freaking out. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yep. Great. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hello, my name is Elliot Hinkle. I use they, them pronouns, and I'm the Youth and Adult Coordinator for Healthy Transitions at Portland State University. Hey Sam, how are you? I'm good, how are you doing? Good, just hanging out. Are you in the forest? Not today, it's my day off, so I'm a house cat. (laughs) Nice. Well, uh, Sam is a 20-something young person who is currently working in environmental science, and September is Suicide Prevention Month, and the Healthy Transitions Grant at Portland State University and the Oregon Alliance to Prevent Suicide are teaming up to share stories from youth and young adults about hope, help, and healing. So Sam, could you share a little bit about how suicide has impacted your life? Yeah, um, for me, I have unfortunately lost a few loved ones to suicide and I myself has have struggled with suicidal ideation and self-harm okay thanks for sharing that just helpful to know kind of where you're coming from hope help and healing aren't always a part of the conversation around suicide it's often focused on prevention or what happens after an attempt or loss So let's first talk about what hope has looked like for you. Sure. Um, So for me, uh, I really began to feel hope when I saw hope in others and when I became inspired by others. Um, An example of this for me that was really significant was a peer support specialist, uh, a person with lived experience with Um, depression, um, suicidal ideation, and other mental illnesses, they really, I got to work with them, and they really inspired me. And I saw, you know, a possible role model, a mentor, and that person as a real advocate for me. Um, So that was a really significant aspect, among other things. Um, But with that, I think in general, um, I really began to feel hope when I just was encouraged by others and others were um, kind of encouraging me. That's great. What are some things the peer support specialist was able to do for you? Um, so a peer su- that peer support specialist really just, they shared a little bit of their experience with my mental illness mm-hmm. and suicidal ideation and it helped me feel less alone and it helped me feel like it's not something I had to experience and go through alone. I had people that believed in me and wanted to help me. And I also saw that person excelling and they were content with their lives and happy. And it kind of over time made me realize maybe that could be me one day. Totally. Did you feel like you were always able to be helpful or was there a time when that was not so simple? Yes, um, certainly. Um, my mental illness was kind of erratic when I was first diagnosed. And so I would have good days and bad days. Um, but yeah, it in the moments where I felt hopeless, the main thing that really kept me going was really trying to 
commit that things are temporary and my feelings were going to be better, maybe not the next day, but maybe the day after that or next week. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like for, you know, while feeling hopelessness at the same time, your, your body was like trying to be really resilient in your mind and find ways to still be hopeful, even if it was like the small thing. So that's great. I mean, I can relate Mm -hmm. to that. So I think that and having models and mentors and peer support sounds like that was a huge key to you being able to start moving forward. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts about hope and um, how that was able to be a possibility for you? Yeah. Um, I think for me, it, it was really important to allow myself to just trust one provider and then let them help you and open more doors for resources for you. I think that was a big step was just to allow myself to take a risk by trusting someone, a stranger, a provider. And that was really helpful in the long run. That's great. All right. Now that we've talked about hope, let's talk about help. I wonder if you could share what some examples of that was like for you and what worked for you or maybe didn't work. Sure. Um, So initially, uh, the first help I really got was being picked up by CAHOOTS, um, the Crisis Assistance Helping Out on the Streets service. Um, Could you say a little bit about what CAHOOTS does? Yeah. Um, So CAHOOTS basically is an alternative to police um, transportation and action on the streets when um, it's specifically for people in a mental health crisis or other related crises. It's basically um, like an ambulance with a social worker and a medic. And so they'll take you to the hospital or they'll just talk with you, whatever you need to kind of calm down the crisis. Wow. Okay. And so they were like an entry point for you of help? Yeah, pretty much. It was, um, things got bad enough, unfortunately, that I was introduced into county services that way. Um, And yeah, I I basically from there was connected with the Early Assessment and Support Alliance um, program. Great. Um. How was Isa able to help you? Um, so Isa is wonderful. They saved my life. Um, they're basically a wraparound program that help you with therapists, psychiatrists, um, employment specialists, occupational therapists. Um, sometimes if they have the resources, they'll help you connect to classes like yoga classes and art classes, creative writing depending on where where you are. Um, what do you think it is about CAHOOTS that works in particular? Um, I think the fact that the pairing is more crisis-minded and help versus um, punishment. Um, and also, it's just more scientifically based and ethically responsible. And it's it's more fiscally responsible, which I think is really cool. Um, But having a social worker and someone who's dealt with mental health um, crises and a medic, I think that's an excellent combination. And a lot of a lot of problems could be solved that way. Sure. 
What happened for you after Cahoots got involved? So um, I was, luckily I was eligible for the ESA program, the Early Assessment and Support Alliance program. And through that, I got connected with um, case managers, therapists, a psychiatrist, a family therapist, um, employment specialist eventually, and, you know, occupational therapists. So that was incredibly important. Yeah, that sounds like that's a solid team to really support you through it. Mm-hmm. Was there anything that you felt like wasn't helpful? Yeah, so um, initially I was actually mis- misdiagnosed as being depressed, having depression. And I was also in denial of the psychosis-related symptoms I was having. Um, and so therefore I didn't tell you know, the care providers about those issues. So I didn't get proper treatment until the CAHOOTS um, scenario. Without Issa, I don't think I would be here today. Um, I do also recognize the privilege I had about the Issa program because I actually have another family member who went through the same program, different county, um, five years previously. So my family knew kind of what psychosis looked like, but obviously um, I'm a different person than that other family member. So it was a little different. Um, but we all really took it seriously and really, um, use them. That's great. Sounds like Issa was able to be helpful and that Cahoots really was like the connection point to really jumpstart you into the help that you were needing. Yes, definitely. Earlier you mentioned self-harm. I wonder if you could share a little bit about that and coping skills. Yeah. So... Self-harm is something that I had never told anyone about, um, and I'd been, you know, cutting since I was a teenager, and I reverted to this behavior um, due to a rough patch during help, but my therapist was able to give me some coping skills and alternatives, and so far I haven't done it since, so um, it's good to sometimes work with your therapist about that and for me that was that was cool to learn some like very concrete coping skills that I can incorporate into my life totally yeah coping skills are super important to just getting through and navigating the world and figuring out how to kind of adapt to um, who we are I wonder if you could share a little bit about what your coping skills have come to be sure um so definitely medication is very very important Um, initially I really needed to be on several different kinds and still now I, I have medication in case I need it. Um, and it's, it's something that at first I was very hesitant to do because I had never taken medication in my whole life. Um, but once I realized, wow, this actually works, (laughs) I'm not feeling terrible all the time. Oh. Maybe this uh, has something to it. So yeah, that that really was important um, and still is. When it comes to really helping myself, um, I, my main coping skill is being outside and hiking and swimming and birding um, and just being out in nature and kind of resetting, um, you know, my brain going haywire. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I love going outside and doing that. It's like a reset. Yeah.
All right, so now that we've talked about hope, help, let's talk a little bit about healing um, and what, what you've done to help heal. And you just mentioned that um, you know, nature has been a really helpful um, coping mechanism. And I'm, I imagine that's been a part of your healing. Yes, totally. What does that yeah. look like for you? Yeah. Um, so that was um, an old passion that I had kind of, you know, wasn't able to do when I was um, really, really sick and um, at my worst. So I kind of just slowly over time took the risk to bring my old passions back um, and trying new things. So I, I kind of made my body do things and slowly with time, it felt like my brain followed. Um, so I, you know, I started hiking again. I started doing yoga and Tai Chi classes again. Um, I took a creative writing class. Um, I started doing more art. Um, that was really good to focus on one task and just kind of zone out and relax. Um, and I started socializing more with my friends, like doing a weekly game night. Um, so I, I, uh, it took a while. It always takes time, but slowly I saw changes in myself and that was really important. What was like, you know, a marker for you when you felt like you were really starting to heal? Um, there really is no aha moment when it comes to these things, but something that really stood out to me was when I felt like I was actually speaking honestly with my healthcare providers and my family and my friends. Like I, I started to um, set boundaries in my life that they should have existed like way before my depression and psychosis symptoms existed or came to light. But um, yeah, I kind of just realized, Oh, I'm feeling a little bit more like myself. And also part of that was my sexuality as a pansexual person. Um, I had never really understood what that meant. And I always thought that I had to be straight or gay and there was no in between. Um, so it, it kind of just made sense when I realized, oh, that that's kind of who I am. And I don't know, for me, that really made me feel like myself for the first time in my life. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it sounds like, you know, coming into who you are was a huge part of being able to heal because you were like putting, putting the pieces together about who you are and who you want to be and feeling mm -hmm. confident in that. Yeah. Once I was aware of my sexuality and my mental illness and all the trauma that I had experienced in my life, I felt like myself for the first time in my life. I think there's, and I think I've experienced in my life as a queer and trans person that there's a lot of still like confusion and misconception or misunderstanding around the connection between mental health and sexuality or gender. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what that's looked like for you and how sexuality uh, maybe was impacted by mental health? Yeah. Um, so for me, as a young person, yeah, I didn't realize that I was pansexual. And so I felt extremely confused and lost. Um, I've, 
I think that seriously played a big part in my depression because I would feel bad about having crushes on certain people and feel bad about not being able to um, express those in a safe way growing up in a small town. Um, so that, w- that was a huge issue. And a lot of my self-harm behavior came from, you know, romantic feelings. A lot of it was my rejection that I got. Um, so that's certainly um, the feeling of shame. Um, unfortunately, that totally like that was a very big um, factor into my depression and my self-harm. Yeah, I think I think that feels like a common thread for too many uh, LGBTQ folks. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Now that you've, you know, been in the healing process and that's, you know, a lifelong journey. Um, but it sounds like you're in a sense kind of on the other side of some things. Um, what do you what do you do now? What, do you, what feels important to you now? Yeah, so now um, I work back in environmental science like I was um, as, you know, a young professional. So I'm back in my old um, routine and that's really fulfilling. But I also um, have been being more of an advocate lately and an ally. Um, I'm on a few leadership councils and policy related committees. And I really try to advocate for people struggling with mental illness and substance abuse. And, you know, those are huge stressor- stressors for young people and adults. Um, so that's, that's part of my healing process is to share my story and fight for people. That's great. Well, as we kind of wrap up, I'm wondering if you have any sort of final thoughts that you want to leave us with. Sure. Um, so I think this conception about depression and other mental illnesses that, you know, once you're better, you're better forever. And it's, oh, it's your aha moment and you're good to go for the rest of your life. And that is certainly not the case. Rehabilitation and growth is completely step by step, day by day, and it is not linear at all. I'm always struggling, but I think the important thing is that now I have the tools to combat my struggles. And another another mantra I like to think of is sometimes life is two steps forward, one step back, but you still take those steps forward. And over time, you'll see progress wherever you go. So yes, um, that was corny, but um, that's the way I see it. And I hope that this message can be hopeful for some people struggling because you got to know you are not alone. So thank you. Yeah, thank you, Sam. And this is, um, you know, a a podcast in a series of um, expression from youth and young adults to share about their in interaction or experience with suicide, living with it or losing loved ones. So thank you for listening and joining us as we participate in Suicide Prevention Month and Awareness Month and just try to bring awareness to the experience of living with suicide and surviving it. Thank you so much. Thanks.